Since the age of reason, we as a species have relied on a linear, scientific, and mechanical thinking to understand and build our world. We see the world much like a machine with finite, manageable parts that can be ordered and controlled. But nature doesn't work that way. We cannot separate the land from the animals or the water from the soil any more than we can separate ourselves from nature. So, in order to regenerate the land, we have to let go of this idea of separation, give up our attempts to impose dominion over things, and embrace a new way of experiencing ourselves and the natural world, one that blurs the lines and integrates the different elements within the whole ecosystem. So welcome to episode four, Regeneration. Over the last eight years, 50% of U.S. farmers have lost money on their farms. And the segregation of farms into tree, plant, livestock separated has undermined the cycles of balance that naturally create sustainability. And with monoculture systems, the long-term productivity of the land is undermined. So no wonder we're in a pretty tight spot. We can't continue to leave farming decisions to big business boardrooms far away from the farm. We need to empower the farmer. Leckland Hughes said, to be truly regenerative, a farmer needs to understand they are a part of the ecosystem, not apart from it. My first guest, Doug Wilmore from WorldTree, has been working with his whole heart to bring regenerative practices into farming while also ensuring that the interests of the farmers are looked after. WorldTree helps farmers turn their farms into carbon capture sinks by planting the Empress Splendor, the fastest growing hardwood tree that absorbs carbon at an astonishing rate. They also emphasize the value of bringing back biodiversity, intercropping, and helping farmers reconnect to the vision of the ecosystem as a living, breathing whole. Doug, thanks for coming. Thanks for showing up and being here with, with us at EarthSpeed. Really great to be here. Thanks for the invite. I'm really excited because we're partners now through DuContra. Not only that, I'm now going to be an Empress Splendor farmer myself. I think it's so great that you've taken this on. You're now our second most famous farmer after President Carter. So you have that distinction, and that's a great company to be in. But the fact that you've taken it on on this property is really amazing. And the Empress Splendor tree is the fastest growing tree in the world. And so just to give people an idea, in 10 years here on your property, Adrian, you'll have trees that are 80 feet tall, that are 20 inches in diameter. And then those trees produce amazing, beautiful finished lumber musical instruments, floors, decking, furniture, all sorts of things like that, cabinets. And they not only do that, but they sequester just tons and tons of carbon in their growth process. And then they're sequestered in, that, in those products as we go. And so that produces a tremendous amount of revenue for the landowner and the, the farmer, for investors, as well as makes a really amazing impact on the climate. And then the really amazing thing is when we harvest the Empress Splendor tree after 10 years or so, it regrows from the stump. So you get up to six to seven harvests out of just one seedling that you plant in the ground and up to 60 or 70 years of carbon sequestration 
and renewable, truly renewable lumber. Not many people know half the farmers in this country lost money last year. They need help on building sustainability, resiliency, building wealth, keeping family in their towns and on their farms, and you know, reintroducing forestry to agriculture, and especially this kind of tree is one of the ways that we do that. So that's the first thing that I think we're really proud of, that it's like sort of nature's handing us one of the best solutions we have for carbon drawdown. The second thing is, not many people know this, 50% of the world's lumber still comes from native or natural forests. That's mind-boggling. That 50% needs to come down to know, 5%, maybe at the most, for managed kind of harvest for the health of the forest and so on. So farm timber, which is what you're doing, you're basically creating a two-acre timber farm that draws down carbon, but then also protects old growth forests. Because we need a place to get lumber from that we need to live with and grow and construct with and build tables with and, and things like on. that. Yeah, and jam out on. That's right. Keep going back yeah. To music. <laughs> yeah. So so we need that. And Wendy Burton, the founder of World Tree, the key reason that she founded World Tree was to protect old growth forests. That was the number one reason. Now, you know, clearly carbon has become such a big part of you know, people's consciousness and knowledge and knowing that we've definitely got to draw carbon down. And this Empress Splendor tree does that as well or better than, far better than almost any other tree on the planet. And so we're, we just love what we're doing. And then the final unique thing, and you spoke about this, the opportunity for farmers. Wendy also, when she founded World Tree, and it's one of the things that we're, as we were growing rapidly, no pun intended, we're a for-profit company. And it was important to us to do that. And Wendy looked at that as like, hey, philanthropy is great, it's awesome. I could tell people any number of great tree organizations to donate money to that are making a difference. But for us, it didn't seem to us that philanthropy was going to get it done on the climate side. And we thought it was important to show that you could create a company that can make a major difference, a major positive difference, and produce returns to farmers, investors, shareholders, at the same time that this debate that we get into, jobs or the environment, the environment or jobs, it's really a false debate. And that that's the other mission of World Tree is to really show that, no, you can do both. You can make a really positive impact and uh, produce great returns for everybody involved at the same time. Yeah, that's incredible. And that's, uh, it's right in line with what we're trying to do here yeah. is not only preserve and restore our natural systems, but also create revenue streams that are associated with the natural experience here. So, you know, I'm looking forward to our polonia trees and their majesty and their, you know, beauty. And then also practically speaking, you know, we want to be able to bring in some revenue so we can continue yeah. to do this work. Yeah. So to have both, you know, the environmental 
win, the aesthetic win, the musical instrument win, and then the revenue uh, opportunity is yeah. just really a great, yeah. great business. Which is pretty amazing when you look at it, and, and not just one harvest over 60 or 70 years like many hardwood trees have, but five or six or seven over that time. So let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. As I understand it, once you harvest, the tree will grow back from the stump. Right, yeah, so it doesn't send out new root shoots like other invasive trees would. When you cut it and the stump's down at the ground level, it will send out a new trunk from the stump. And, you know, within, when we do your first harvest, you know, years from now, within six weeks, you'll have a six foot tall, a new shoot coming up. And that is now gathering mass, sequestering carbon, starting all over again, starting that process. And so one seedling, again, not just 60 or 70 years of revenue, 60 or 70 years of carbon sequestration. And then by about the seventh generation, you know, that plant is sort of, it's out of energy and it needs to be replanted. But clearly, uh, virtually all the farmed lumber out there, farmed timber, once you harvest, you have to pull the stumps out and replant. So your job and your mission is to re-educate people uh, about the polonia tree because over the years it's gotten a bad name um, because some varieties are are not welcomed because they're considered invasive. Yeah. But that's a misconception, isn't it? As you said, the botanical name of the Empress Splendor tree is the Polonia tree. And depending on who you talk to, there's between nine and 21 varieties of the Polonia tree. Just like, you know, you go to Canada and there's a, there's a Canadian maple tree, there's a silver maple tree. There's um, a dozen or more varieties of the Polonia tree. And one of those, uh, it's called the Tomentosa, is on the USDA invasive species list for the, in the southeastern US. That tree, even that Tomentosa, that variety, it's so difficult to grow from a seed because that's the only way it could be invasive is if the seed spread. We can't even grow it from a seed in a laboratory very successfully. We grow all of our new trees from tissue we don't use seeds. The varieties we use are clearly non-invasive and they've been reintroduced back into North America. They used to be native to North America, but to tell you how non-invasive they are, they kind of got stamped out by other things in the natural environment and weren't very many trees left. And World Tree is now the largest grower of Empress Splendor trees in North America. One thing that I'm looking to do is stack functions within that system, within the tree timber ecosystem. So I know that there's a lot of really good opportunities to intercrop within yeah. the, the rows. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that because we integrate different yeah. systems within there. So yeah. talk about bees, talk about other legumes yeah. or, or different varieties of plants that we can yeah. intercrop with. And I think it's so great that you're doing that because, and I don't know how many years it's taken us, maybe four or 500 years, to prove to ourselves that the modern form of agriculture, forestry, is unsustainable. 
One of the things that clearly happened many years ago, well before our time, Adrian, was people figured out, hey, I can be more efficient and get more productivity if I separate plants, trees, and animals. We've proven to ourselves it's just not a sustainable business model. It's taken all these years to realize that we need to bring plants and trees and animals back together on the same piece of property. It's like many nature-based solutions for climate. The more things you stack together, it's a win, 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 win. You know, what do we have about 60 harvests left, I think, of topsoil? And so, you know, the Empress Splendor trees are just beautiful and perfect trees for intercropping with shade favoring crops. And there's all sorts of varieties of even corn and things like that that do just fine in shade and produce great productivity, but other shade loving crops like sweet potatoes and beans, and certainly we're intercropping with coffee and cacao and Latin America. But all of that stuff really matters. They're perfect trees for silvopasture, which is basically, you know, cattle or sheep or goats or hoofed animals. And I think you talked to a lot of climate scientists now and they say, you know, one of the keys to making progress on the problems we have is actually focusing on biodiversity, mm -hmm. exactly what you're doing, which is, you know, because the, you know, uh, Empress Splendor trees are great for pollinators because they just produce really huge blossoms for a long amount of time in the spring, but stacking that with other seasons of flowers and with other uh, growth on the ground and with, you know, running sheep through to, you know, graze on the cover crop or whatever else you may have. It's just a perfect use of the property that brings back the aliveness and the resiliency of the soil and the native environment around it. Talk about soil a little bit. One of the amazing things about this tree, it's a deciduous tree, so the leaves drop. But in addition to consuming large amounts of carbon, it also takes in nitrogen, both from the soil and the air. And so when the leaves drop, it's called a nitrogen-fixing tree. And of course, that's one of the big ingredients in commercial fertilizer. We have a lot of farmers in Georgia, for example. I've seen groves of our trees planted in red Georgia clay that three years later is dark, loamy soil you can sift through with your fingers. Nothing else was done to that soil other than they planted Empress Splendor trees on it and watered them and made sure they grew and that was it. Then the fact that they produce that tremendous amount of lumber revenue every 10 years. We find many of our farmers, as they add this to their farm, the lumber revenue far outpaces the agricultural revenue that they're getting. You've partnered with Kiss the Ground, yeah, right? Because I guess you get the, the kiss of approval <laughs> yeah. for, for soil health. Well, it, you know, it was a big thing. As we continue to partner with farmers and work with farmers, we've got over 250 now that we work with throughout the U.S. and Costa Rica and Guatemala, is that, you know, we continue to want to find ways to help those farmers get better and improve their outcomes and take care of their farms. And it was last winter, I think, I had a new farmer of ours that I'd met in Mexico 
who was really excited to come on board with us and come springtime getting ready for planting, he texted me a picture of his field ready for planting trees. He literally plowed the entire field and dissed the entire field, which if anyone knows soil health, you know that's exactly what you don't do. And it's, it's just releasing carbon up in the air. It's making the soil less resilient, more prone to erosion. And so it was that, and I was just sort of crestfallen that, wow, we've got to find a way to, to help our farmers know how to take care of their soil and rebuild their soil better. And so partnering with Kiss the Ground and their Soil Health Academy was the way to do it. So all of our farmers uh, will have the opportunity to go through their Soil Health Academy and to start to understand really what does it take to create healthy soil, to keep it healthy, and to store carbon in that soil. We're really proud of that, really pleased with it, and grateful to kiss the ground, not just for the work they're doing, but the difference that they're making. I've been having some struggles up here with a couple of different things, deer being one of them, gophers, and just the heartbreak of, of wanting to take care of my baby Empress Blender yeah. and, and struggling a little bit with, with that process. But then again, I'm a new farmer, so it's, I think it's par for the yeah. course. What advice do you have for me? Like, how am I gonna, yeah. am I gonna be okay? Yeah, <laughs> well, actually, so a couple of things I'd say, and this, is, and this will, I think, will be probably a bit of a head scratcher for people watching this. When we grow Empress Splendor trees, and we're actually growing it for the environment, for the soil, for carbon sequestration, but also to, to produce valuable, beautiful, straight lumber, right? One of the th ways we do that is after the first year of growth, we coppice it. Coppice means you actually cut it off down at the ground, and it comes back the second year faster and straighter than it did the first. So by cutting it down after the first year, you actually end up 10 years later with a better, straighter, bigger log than you would have otherwise. So to feel good about what happened to you, the deer coppiced your trees for you in the first year. Because uh, for people who don't know, it, you know, uh, there's a lot of deer in Adrian's area and they love these trees as new low shoots and they literally came in, they didn't just eat the leaves, they ate them right down to the ground last uh, summer, last fall. So this year will be the key that we definitely need to find natural ways to keep the deer away from those trees so that they, once they get past the first year, because the first year they'll be eight or 10 feet tall, Adrian, this year. We'll prune the leaves up so there's no leaves down there and then the deer will pass them by and won't eat them. And listen, you're gonna be in good shape. We're gonna make sure of it. That's the other thing that, that World Tree does is a lot of customer support. I will say that's the unique thing, I think, this model that we have, because I spoke economically how you know, we want investors, farmers to get a good return. We've actually created a model that's pretty unique. You know, small investors can invest in, but it's a partnership between WorldTree and the farmer and a small investor. And so the farmer is putting up property and work and WorldTree is, putting, is providing 
the trees and the oversight and the management and the know-how and things like that. And then at the end of the first harvest, then we split the profits that come in. Right, and you also help in the marketing and the sure. um, sort of the, yeah, the supply I mean, chain aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, WorldTree creates the what's called the offtake agreement, so the purchase agreement to the lumber. We harvest it, mill it, you know, do it. So for a farmer who's not used to being in the timber business, they can get into it in a small way and produce really a significant amount of revenue for themselves. I mean, there's an acre of trees will produce up to $100,000 in revenue at 10 years, which it's a lot of revenue for an acre, especially when it's been done in a healthy way for the environment. And then just the thought that, okay, all that carbon's now gonna be sequestered in musical instruments. Well, so, and, and, and so $100,000 for just the trees themselves, but then could you sell the carbon offsets? Yeah, and in fact, our this year will be the first year that we'll be engaged with our small farmer program. And so, you know, farmers will be getting, you know, a dividend of three or 4% a year that helps offset any maintenance costs and things like that as they go through. And we're pretty proud of that. It's one of the first carbon projects where they've been willing to aggregate a lot of small farms together to actually produce one carbon project and go out on the market and sell, awesome. sell the credits and the offsets. Okay. <laughs> All of the things, because you know, it's not just the carbon and, and the trees, but the bees and I mean, the legumes or the sweet potatoes, you know, all of the different uh, p potential revenue streams is what I'm looking to st stack on top of each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we can be as self-sufficient and yeah. um, sovereign as possible. Well, it's a great model to show others how to do it and how you can do it. And so we really need this regenerative movement to take over agriculture. It's It's kind of amazing when you look at the the lifeblood of our life, the food that we eat, and, and you're reading now, I mean, up to a third of all carbon emissions in the world are coming from commercial agriculture. It's, it's just amazing. And that can be completely reversed by how we do what we do. Are we gonna bring plants and trees and animals back together on the same piece of property? so that they can coexist and thrive. That would just make a major impact in our world, not just in the taste and health of the food, but the impact on the planet. The answer is yes. Yeah. Yes, we will. Okay. <laughs> we are privileged today to be able to cherry pick from all of history and all of its blunders or from all of history's blessings and choose what to leave behind and what to take forward with us. We can move away decisively from the logic of linear systems that have fragmented us from the world and each other and has created the illusion of separation between us and nature. We now have a chance to work organically to honor the cyclical processes that can be found all throughout the natural world and to recognize the value of regeneration on our farms and in our own lives. I mean, my whole life was turned around absolutely when I began to see the world and my purpose in it from a regenerative lens. My experiment, my exploration into regeneration has 
changed how I live, how I farm, that I farm, how I see the world, how I feel the world. So thank you for being a part of that journey because I feel so close to you. After all, we are all connected. <laughs>